Hi, and welcome to Growth, a podcast that seeks to inspire entrepreneurs, interact with ambitious people, and be a source of information that enables you to grow as a company as well as a human being. My name is Matthias, and I'm your host. In this episode, we will meet Christian Soulein, the CEO and co-founder of Cutters. We met for a talk about how it has been disrupting a traditional industry and growing from a small local brand to an international company. Welcome to Growth, Christian. Thank you. So for those of our listeners that don't know you that well, why don't you start with a short introduction? Yeah, uh, I started uh, Cutters back in uh, 2015 with my co-founder Andreas Kalmey. And uh, we always had a dream of starting uh, something and uh, yeah, basically taking it from Norway and uh, taking it out to other countries. It's usually the other way around. Uh, and since then, we have uh, opened more than 100 saloons in three different countries, and it's been a great journey, 500 uh, people almost now working in the company. So it's been fun, but also challenging. Nice. And cutters, it's probably in the word, but why don't you tell like the short pitch? What yeah. is cutters? Yeah, it's, it's quite simple, uh, and that's what we want it to be as well. So it's... Uh, uh, a haircut concept, we only deliver haircuts, it takes uh, 15 minutes, only drop in and it's the same price for everyone. Very simple, uh, and I think that's the, uh, the reason why people uh, like it as well. Yeah, um, and I know that from the very beginning, especially in Norway when you mm. launched a pro- product or mm. service, mm. Um, the, uh, the industry itself were not very fan of yeah. your uh, you entering the the hairdresser mm. stage, so to say. Mm. What was the first re- reactions? Uh, you know, before we actually before we opened the first saloon, we decided to be uh, the rebel in the industry, and uh, we wanted to do something different. Uh, so I think one of the first things we did, and it was not actually idea, the idea to piss off our competitors, but. Uh, we just wanted to have uh, good hairdressers working for us. So uh, I remember we were writing on our own websites, something like, hey, are you uh, tired of bad managers, low salary, uh, breeding and working in a toxic environment with all the chemicals? <laughs> uh, come over to Cutters, we have uh, this and this and this. Um, but what we realized later was that our competitors uh, read this uh, and didn't like it. And uh, we also got a, le- got a letter um, uh, sent to one of our saloons from uh, what was then the president of the hairdresser association uh, that was telling us that we were not allowed to have uh, trainees in our saloons, which we had at that time, uh, which is common in most hair saloons. Um, so the sad thing is, of course, that that person had to stop working with us after only one week. Uh, but I think then it was really on. and. Uh, some weeks or months later, uh, one of the biggest newspapers also wrote a big article where all the uh, players in the industry were talking uh, uh, negative things about us, but we only tried to tell uh, the customers that it's up to the customers to decide where they want to go. Uh, and after that, it just yeah, basically took off yeah. next years. Because uh, you mentioned that this was kind of a strategy on yeah. your end to be yeah. a bit rebellious yeah. uh, from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, and tell me 
uh, all this attention, media exposure mm. uh, from the very start. Mm. How did that uh, fuel your yeah. growth, especially in Norway yeah, in the very beginning? Yeah, yeah. Because it, because uh, I had personally tried to contact uh, probably all the journalists I could find uh, and all the newspapers I knew about. Uh, and I tried to get them to write about the concept, but uh, I mean, it was not that interesting for them to just write about this hairdressing company opening hair saloons. And we didn't have that many at that time. Uh, but a few of them did. Uh, but after this uh, article where uh, our competitors uh, started talking uh, uh, shit about us, uh, then it was much easier. And uh, we understood this quickly. So we actually made uh, our own media plan on uh, how to uh, take advantage of this situation. And it probably lasted for a few years. And uh, it all ended it, actually in this uh, huge case where uh, our competitors, uh, the biggest ones in uh, in the industry, they went together and they tried to change the rules, actually. So they wanted to implement a rule where uh, the customers had to have a hair wash before the haircut. Uh, and everyone knew that uh, Cutters was the only player that didn't provide uh, hair wash. And um, we, of course, thought that it was a joke, but uh, it was not. So we... Uh, tried to figure out if it was uh, anything with uh, hygiene or anything like that. But uh, we figured out uh, pretty quick that that was not the case. It was only to stop us from growing. Yeah. Uh, so we just uh, tried then to get as much media attention as possible. Um, and we did. So I think in the end, all the newspapers papers were writing about us. We were on uh, radio shows, TV shows, yeah. everywhere. And the health minister also had to go publicly out and uh, say that uh, this new rule will uh, not be implemented. So what we have learned, um, uh, which I also think other people can think about, is that when you go into a new market uh, and you see that your competitors uh, try to stop you and they don't like uh, like the thing you do, uh, then you are most likely into uh, the right thing. Yeah, um, you so found something. Yeah, 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 you found something if, yeah. if that happens, definitely. There is something there that your competitors don't like. Yeah. Um, uh, we've had a lot of other guests here at Growth who have been talking about the importance of storytelling or mm. having a solid marketing plan. Mm. Um, and it sounds like <laughs> you've had this from the very beginning, at yeah. least an idea yeah, yeah, yeah. of how to communicate your message. Mm. Um, do you think you would have been where you are today without this strategic plan from the very, or? At it's, least it's, uh, this exposure that yeah, you got. Yeah, it's uh, you never know, but uh, uh, I think it's no secret that we have uh, gained a lot on uh, having this media plan, uh, and also have had this conflict with the rest of the industry. Uh, but you know, uh, even more important than that has just been to kind of get out the message that uh, we have this service. Uh, that at least we think is yeah. much easier and better than uh, what the rest of the industry is having. Yeah. So that's that's kind of been the most important thing for us. And then we just wanted to have fun uh, yeah. as we did it. And uh, we thought it would be cool to be a rebel yeah. uh, in a new market. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have had uh, great success uh, doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel now it's been six years or at least it's been five years since you opened your first, yeah. uh, your first shop? Mm. Do you feel more accepted? In the industry today, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I think they've seen that uh, we will stay in the industry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think they've accepted it more now, and I think they also see that we do a lot of good things for the industry because. Uh, in our case, we have a lot of people. So we have uh, almost 500 people working in a company now. Uh, and to be able to have so many people coming into the company in uh, such a short time, uh, you have to provide them with something. They have to like to work in a company. If not, it's not going to be possible to have them there. So um, in addition to, of course, uh, having the best possible service for our customers, we need to be the best place for our people. So we have uh, always focus on having higher salaries than the rest of the industry. Uh, we don't have any chemicals in the saloons. I think 40% of the hairdressers have to quit working in a hair saloon at some time because of all the chemicals yeah. they're working in, but we don't have it. And we're also working um, on reducing the working hours from eight to six hours, uh, but still be able to earn the same amount of money. So, I mean, it's a lot of good things that's also good for the whole industry. Yeah. So uh, I think they can see it now. Yeah. An industry changer, yeah. so to say. Yeah. Cool. And um, for those listening outside the Nordics, they might not have heard that much about you. But if you walk around, I would say, an average city in Norway, you're mm. most likely to come across a yeah. cutter saloon somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, how has the growth in Norway uh, helped you uh, before uh, growing internationally? Because mm. that's what we're going to talk about yeah. in just a minute. Yeah. Um, but stabilizing the growth in Norway, has that in any way helped you out before coming out to new markets? Yeah, uh, definitely, because uh, you learn a lot uh, as, you go, as you grow also in your home market. So uh, it, was, it was much harder actually, uh, both opening saloons and also recruiting uh, talented people when... Uh, we only had one saloon in Norway. That was uh, even harder. And yeah. at least now, when we go to new countries, we have something to show to. But of course, you should also have uh, respect uh, going into new markets because it's not that easy. And it's so many companies that fail uh, trying uh, launching in new countries. Uh, but it's definitely uh, better when you have something to show to in your home market. Yeah. Second time is easier yeah. than the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of second time, second market of yours, if mm. you look at Norway as a whole as one market, yeah. is Sweden. Yes, yes. One of the typical go-to markets yeah. for a Norwegian yeah. company when growing. Yeah. How is that like? How has how was Sweden for you? Uh, I mean, b- before we uh, started the company, both me and Andreas, who started it, thought that everything would be so easy. Uh, the same we thought about going into new markets. And I think uh, at least Norwegians think that Sweden is so similar. It's just the same uh, but even though uh, most people know about you in your home markets it doesn't mean that they actually do it in your neighbor countries so you kind of have to start all over again when you go into a new market so at least what we have seen is that uh, it's much easier for us if we actually send the best people we have to the new countries uh, for us that means uh, the best leaders managers hairdress- hairdressers um, and then we, of course, make sure we open on the best locations. Uh, but by having local uh, or having our people from the home market in the new country, we make sure that we deliver the concept as it should be delivered. And then at the same time, we try to recruit local talents and then we mix them together uh, and we make sure that they uh, learn how to work in the way we want to, work, to want to work. And then 
in the end, when you hopefully have it all proven, uh, you can uh, move out with yeah. the team from your local country. But I mean, it's not an easy task, and uh, it's it one takes of, time. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, and because uh, when you started in Sweden, mm. the first introduction yeah. wasn't that well no. thought of, was no. it? No, it was. Uh, I mean, it goes so fast, especially in the beginning. Um, and uh, we just wanted to do everything at once. Uh, we had huge success with our fir- first saloons in Norway. Uh, and I remember we were part of this TV show as well in Norway at this p- at this point. And uh, the guys that was creating the TV show, they um, thought it was uh, pretty cool that we already back then started about opening in Sweden. I think we had opened, a, I think we started the company uh, one year uh, before the TV show. Yeah. Uh, so we just figured out that yeah, it would be pretty cool to open a saloon in the middle of the TV show. Uh, so yeah, we just opened a saloon in uh, Stockholm, uh, but didn't have any people to run it, uh, and we didn't have the time to follow it up. So uh, of course it didn't work out. So uh, we closed it down. But then we uh, we launched uh, with a team and new saloons uh, a bit later, uh, and that worked much better, of course. Yeah. So you had some experiences from that first opening yeah. that you, at least you did some learnings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. And today, how many saloons, because you're also in Finland. Yeah. So so you've grown to three markets now, yeah, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Uh, how big is Cutters now? I mean, now we have uh, more than 100 saloons, uh, almost 500 people. Yeah. And... Um, we uh, think it can grow a lot from this as well, but uh, what we is always what we are always saying is that it's up to the customers to decide how big it should be. We just want to provide a service uh, that they like, uh, and if they like it, well, it, then it's up to them yeah. uh, how big it can be. But uh, we see a lot of potential still in the company. Yeah, um, looking at growing into new markets such, such as Sweden and Finland mm. uh, is. Has there been any cultural challenges or difficulties establishing mm. in these markets because i've heard a lot of stories about yeah, yeah. companies that say as you mentioned earlier yeah. uh, we feel that sweden as our neighbor neighbor mm. is really similar to ourselves yeah. but then we're moving our business yeah. to sweden and realize that oh yeah. it's not yeah, as it, easy. it is it is not the same but uh, at the same time uh, a few things are the same but that's why I just think it's so important to actually have uh, your own people in the new country. Yeah. I mean, you can't just open and uh, recruit local talents and then just expect them to uh, continue doing what you do in your home yeah. market. It's, they're going to do it in a totally different way. They're going to work in a different way. So you have to be there yourself. You have to bring your best people into yeah. the country and make sure that uh, the people you recruit in the local markets uh, work in the same way as you do and that you understand each other yeah. because there are cultural differences of course and I mean you can't expect a new people in new countries to do the same as you're doing in another country not by being there yourself yeah have you had to adapt the concept in any way in any of the markets that you're in now from mm. the original Norwegian concept that you've had uh, you have yeah no w- we have the same concept yeah so uh, Luckily, in our case, people have to get a haircut in uh, all the countries we are in. Yeah. And uh, actually, the hair hairdressing industry is quite similar yeah. in all those countries. So we have a lot of uh, a lot of different players, 
uh, actually not that many big players. It's a lot of small independent saloons, yeah. uh, but mo most of them look actually the same and they provide the same service. So um, at least it's worked for us to come in with this uh, new concept that you don't have in any of those countries. Uh, and yeah, just the fact that they have to get a haircut is uh, helping us out. Yeah. It sounds like you have some ideas for how to go yeah, I forward mean, as well. I mean, uh, what we haven't talked about is product market fit. Yeah. So it's uh, a lot of companies that have uh, great people, but people or the customers don't want to buy their product or service. Yeah. Uh, and then it's going to be hard. Um, so in our case, uh, product market fit has, of course, been uh, very important. And we actually thought that cutters was a concept only for men's before we started. Uh, but luckily, we uh, traveled around on universities and uh, different events with these uh, homemade uh, pop-up boxes. Yeah. I think they were weighing 250 kilos, <laughs> so it was not that fun to travel around with them. But uh, what we actually learned was that uh, our customers were not what we thought it would be. So we learned back then that uh, women actually liked the concept a lot. So today we have 50% women as our customers. Yeah but we thought it would be only a concept for men's. And uh, I mean, things like this is uh, really good to know before yeah. you actually uh, So product validation has yeah. been important for you yeah, as well. It's, it's not that cool to work on something for uh, two or three years and then you launch it and uh, yeah. no one wants to have it. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've received that tip before here. Yeah. Validation <laughs> is key to success. So that's good. Uh, speaking of tips, I always end the episode with asking our guests if they have an advice they've received mm. earlier in their career that they want to share with our audience. Mm. Do you have one, Christian? It's it's so many advices out there, but uh, if you ask me, it's one that is uh, much better than everything else. Uh, and I think that is that you just have to want to do this thing you do and you have to believe in it. Because if you don't do it, no one else will do it. And if you really want to do something, you will probably succeed at some point. And I don't mean that you have to have fun all the time, uh, but you really have to want it. Yeah. So you want you need to want to do yeah. what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiring end today. Thank you so much for coming, Christian. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my chat with Christian. Want to listen to other episodes that we've had? Make sure to subscribe to Growth wherever you listen to podcasts.